Hello and welcome to Audio Mission from Church Mission Society, bringing you the voices of God's global mission movement. I'm Trevor Smith and this month we continue our world tour reaching Latin America and we start off in Brazil. Alex and Jane Kakuris and their three children are based at Christchurch in Rio de Janeiro alongside mission partners Jess and Mark Simpson. When they visited Church Mission Society in Oxford recently, Jeremy Woodham asked Jane and then Alex for their memories of last year's Olympics. Well, for me, <laughs> the opening ceremony stands out because um, I was part of the volunteer dance group for that. And that came about very sort of randomly, really, through someone I met after we, very shortly after we arrived in Rio. And um, someone had dropped out and I was off to place. And so um, it seemed a bit crazy because I'd have to be commuting up to the Maracanã stadium and I didn't even know my way around Rio at all at that stage uh, and it was all in Portuguese all the training um, but uh, I got lots of encouragement to go for it and do it so um, I did and met an amazing group of of people of internationals and Brazilians and um, it was actually amazing because I think God really worked through it because I made some amazing friendships actually doing that and uh, one of the girls that I became particularly good friends with um, was a Colombian girl. She ended up, uh, through our friendship, coming along to an outreach day that we did at the church. And um, from that, then started coming to church with her two children. And then went on to do Alpha um, at Christchurch and, and then gave her life to Jesus, actually, not, not that long ago. We really wanted to see how we could reach out to the... English-speaking community of Rio during the Olympics. And um, I'd lived in Twickenham during the Rugby World Cup, so I'd met a great Australian guy who helped us then, and he actually flew over with a team from Australia, and they helped us put together this family fun day. Um, and the, we did tea. The first one, we thought we were going to get 150 tea, and about 40 came along to it. The second one, we thought we were going to get about 42, and about 150 <laughs> came to it. Um, but it was just really encouraging to have... Brazilians from Sao Paulo who just moved to Rio, who didn't know anyone, Germans, French, English, all coming together. So it was a great way for us to begin to make connections with people within the church. And you mentioned Christchurch there. Maybe just give us a yeah. bit of a picture. That's where you're based. What's it like? <clears throat> Who's there? Um, Christchurch um, has been in its location for about um, 70 years. And... Um, uh, we work with Mark and Jess Simpson. Mark's a chaplain now, I'm the associate chaplain. Um, and we've had a congregation there of about 60 to 70 meeting on a Sunday. Tends to have been people who have been there in Rio, either international people who have lived there for 20, 30 years, uh, or English-speaking Brazilians. It's about half and half. That's been really exciting to see the bit of a journey that we've gone on. Um, people who have been on the fringes historically are beginning to become more regular, and particular families. Um, so when we started, we had about eight children in the kids group we brought three of them and uh, there were five <laughs> others and um, and that's grown to about 16 or 18 every week now which is great so it's it's hard graft and it's slow work it's all about relationships and getting to know people but really encouraging to begin to see uh, a real spread of ages coming along and also seeing young brazilians starting to come to young brazilian couples who come in, we want to practice our English or who have English or connections working overseas in the past. Um, it's really feeling like more of a, an international hmm. church now. Yeah, and I think the other, the other thing I'd say is that um, one thing we really, we really had a heart for, I think all four of us, um, when we started working there, was that it's so important to have social action at the heart of, I think, any church. And so we're all really passionate about kind of bringing that 
more into the forefront. So we've been kind of working on how do we do that? How do we make the, the outreach that we do in, in terms of the poorer communities something that people can really feel passionate about and be involved in in, in the church? So about 20 years ago, um, actually one of the previous chaplains at Christ Church put a mon- quite a substantial monetary contribution towards um, helping a wonderful Brazilian lady called Edgemea um, set up a project in Santa Marta and this was um, a vision of Edgemea's at that time 20 years ago Santa Marta was one of the most dangerous favelas in Rio and violence was a massive problem um, and the drug gangs ruled and prostitution was an issue and what Edgemea saw was a lot of children like so in Brazil um, children go to school for half a day in the state system so they'll either go for the morning slot or they'll go for the afternoon slot and the the other slot of the day they're pretty much left to kind of fend for themselves and children were getting pulled into all sorts of areas that they shouldn't be involved with and Edge America see this as a real problem so she she set up this um, safe place really uh, which um, was funded through Christchurch she, she purchased a building and this became a safe place where children could go for that half a day they weren't at school and she welcomed, I think, all, all children. I think it was between the ages of, um, I think it's about four to 12. So it's kind of that, pri- I guess, primary school level children. And um, it grew and grew and grew. And she, she ended up with about 100, and, I think it's 150 children going there. So Alex and I um, were just really taken by Jamea. She's a great character and really loved what she's doing. And I think the thing about the project, which is special, is that it's, it's not just about the children. I think it's really kind of has an impact on the wider community. It seems to it's a Christian project, very overtly Christian. And the community see it as a real blessing that it's there. And I think um, that's had a really positive impact in that community. Mm. And it's now actually one of the most peaceful favelas in Rio. Although in recent months, actually, that started to... Um, there started to be more violence there again, which we're really praying hard about. Yeah, at the same time, there are other Brazilian churches in the area who are also praying what God might be wanting them to do. And that's exciting because we don't see this as being our thing. It's the, it's the whole community that, and, and God's at work in the community before we come and he's at work in the community in all kinds of places we don't know about yet. Please join us in praying for all of those churches working together in the community of Santa Marta and for Alex and Jane as they continue to play their part. Now we travel across Brazil to the northwest and across the border to Peru. In Lima, on the west coast of South America, are mission partners Paul and Sarah Tester. They now also have three young children. Paul is part of the Diocese of Peru's Christian Life and Formation Team. Nomi Rose Steinberg met up with Paul and Sarah and asked Paul what he thought were the marks of a true disciple. Well, it, it's something that we've been, been chewing over, really, as part of this process. We started out with kind of uh, a kind of a, an orientation, if you like, a kind of six areas that we wanted to look at. Our first task we, we were asked to do was to go and visit all of the churches and missions and see what was happening, see the reality, uh, and try and get a handle on, on what was going on. And um, the six areas that we were asked to look at, and they've kind of been our sort of our core um, threads, we call them, um, that sort of interweave as a kind of a Christian uh, disciple. Um, we're looking around the areas of uh, the personal relationship with Christ, which is obviously, a, I say it's obviously, but it's a kind of a, a, the starting point, really. We've got uh, scriptures, we've got the church, and then we're also looking at our prayer or spirituality. Um, we're looking at beliefs and we're looking at 
behaviors and um, all of those areas kind of interlock it's not like that we take one out and say well this is the key but they're kind of the key threads around which we're sort of thinking about uh, discipleship and we see them as core to a disciple um, and and so a strength in each one of those will bring a much greater strength to their life as a disciple can I ask you a bit further maybe what you mean by be- the behaviors part yeah sure um, what we one would expect we'd like to think it's part of our life as well, is that um, the, some, a relationship with Christ, the reading of the scriptures, uh, an involvement in the church, um, right beliefs, uh, a, a, a kind of a good spiritual life would lead to action. Uh, and so uh, there should be a difference in the way that uh, our life is lived, um, that our faith is put into practice. Uh, not uh, that would be in an areas of holiness. It'd be in areas of um, service, in areas of mission, and that you know it would be our faith would be lived out. And so, kind of uh, of all of the six, it's probably the area which is kind of the most a fruit of the others, um, uh, or it should be at least. So you've gone to every Anglican church in the diocese, yes. in mission in the diocese. So yeah. how many is that? Uh, it is uh, thirty-eight communities of faith, faith communities. So we've interviewed every single clergy member. We've um, at each church we've um, done surveys with five um, members of the church, uh, and we've also just written had an observation sheet where we've observed certain things, uh, looked to try and uh, do it in as standardised way as possible, but to kind of get a feel for what's going on as well. We've seen all the activities. We've the seen all of the things they do: the, the Sunday schools, the women's groups, the social projects. Uh, schools, everything. So what are the recommendations that you're making now to the congregations? Well, right now what we're, what we're doing, we, ha- we haven't actually got to that stage okay. yet because what we're trying not to do is um, go with a kind of a prescription. What we're really trying to do, and it's a, it's a longer way of doing it, but I think in the, in the long term a more fruitful way, is to work through these issues with each congregation and to help them think about how things could be different. So how we've started that is by going out and chairing in each of the different regions around Peru. So we've done six presentations of our findings. And at the end of that, as an initial phase, we've asked people to say, you know, respond to some of the things. Is this, do you think this is true to your situation? How does it make you feel? What do you, what do you think about what we're suggesting and what we're, what we're seeing? And what could you do about it in your personal life, in in the life of your congregation? But that's been a very kind of a short period. What we're now moving into is a stage of um, working through those sort of questions with with, with everyone, um, which is quite ambitious because it's all around the country. It's quite a big country. Um, there are not huge numbers of, of churches, but it's still quite a uh, lot of work. And so um, that's where we're at. And um, we've got ideas in our heads, but we don't want to just impose them. We want people to really embrace them, to embrace the and, and to find the right way for for each of their congregations. Would you maybe tell us some of your ideas? Yeah. <laughs> Just you know, out of curiosity. I mean, what would be, well, I, would I think, be some good yeah, yeah. Steps? I think I think uh, seeing other realities. We, we had, for instance, recently um, some lots of people. A group from Peru went and took part in a conference in Chile and have gone to Chile and seen different ways of doing things, and they've come back enthused and encouraged to do some of those things. And I think part part of the kind of um, that way of uh, of going and seeing other ways of doing things is a, is a really good start. Um, I think as a church we need to find a way of of teaching people, uh, and I don't mean just 
sermons and preaching I mean uh, kind of uh, instruction on, on, on what the Christian faith is all about and I think we need to find ways of doing it. I don't we're not looking at trying to produce one standard but we're trying to look at provide a number of options to, to, to teach and to instruct people uh, and the third thing would be around um, how we live it out and um, helping people to have a, a fuller uh, understanding of what it means to live life as a Christian as well. You've both been in, in Proof for a decade now, right? Yeah. So, and what you've largely been doing is discipleship, right? So I think, I mean, can you point to some things where you know that it's made a difference? Sarah, with her children's ministry, and something called the Ark. Some of those have grown up and are now kind of teenagers or you know young people that I've been working with, uh, and it's encouraging to see them kind of a system is the wrong word, but to come up through the system, to come up through the church, um, and, and grow and develop, and to see some of them getting involved in the life of the church, um, to see some of the young people I've been working with um, now working to serve others is a real encouragement despite some of the pressures and difficulties that they face that we've mentioned already and so that's really encouraging and it, it, it's something that's happened because we've been there for, let's just say for 10 years um, it, it, that we've been able to give that time uh, and uh, investment in people's lives but I mean I would think about like some of the guys at our church who are um, who've come up through the, the youth program and through the compassion project that we have at the church and are now leading teenagers they're part of our young adults group they attend in church um, that's not to say life is perfect they've got lots of difficulties that they're facing but the fact that they have persevered in their faith and that they are very open about some of the struggles that they face but we can pray and chat together and encourage and help help them is, uh, and to see them then using what, what they have to serve others is, has been brilliant we're grateful to God for the impact of Paul and Sarah's ministry over the last 10 years in Peru. Please pray for them as they juggle the many demands on their time. For our last interview this month, we continue south down the west coast of South America to Chile. Here, long-standing mission partners Alf and Hilary Cooper had a significant change to their work when Alf was appointed an auxiliary bishop for church planting. They told Jeremy Woodham what that was all about. Bishop is something that I've you know, said no to for about five occasions because it involved diocesan bishop, which took me out of everything that excites me. So that I would um, was surprised when the bishop asked me again, but this time he said this was a suffragan bishop, uh, so that I would remain in my local church. And what this has meant is that, in fact, La Trinidad, which has been a growing church today, is about 1,500, they tell me, on the, on the books there, rotating through four services, planted seven churches in our immediate area, but also beyond. In fact, being a bishop is like a bee. I kind of pollinate now the rest of the diocese with the sort of things we've done in La Trinia. Why not before? Well, because I was quite attached to the uh, metropolitan region being the archdeacon. But becoming a bishop, I gave up archdeacon. And we've now been able to visit with Hillary young pastoral couples, and that's been a major blessing. And also... In different in, towns. It stimulate them uh, yeah, in different parts of... Um, Chile. For instance, down in Punta Arenas, the most southerly Anglican church in the world, we've now moved with Ali Morrison to plant two missions, one in Tierra del Fuego in Porvenir and one in Puerto Natales, which is a nearby city, in 
Tierra del Fuego, of course, is where Alan Gardner and crowd began all their mission. And if you look at old maps, you see all over them, Misión Anglicana, Misión Anglicana, Misión Anglicana. It was good to have a Misión Anglicana back there in this place called Porvenir. And then up on the other side, up in the north, from Arica, looking to plant Iquique, open up those. So it's becoming that with a church planting manual that we're writing, and almost finished now, accompanied with videos from young pastors that are planting churches in Chile. Useful document. It's becoming a really exciting moment when we can look to doing what the Archbishop of Canterbury told us to do when he came, plant a thousand churches. So we want to keep planting churches. That's been a very exciting thing. And to be able to go with Hillary also has been great. How have you seen that, darling? No, it's um, really been great uh, to be able to go to these different cities with Alf and, as he says, you know, pastoring and meeting these young couples. Because they're often lonely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Tell me about one of these. Yeah. Tell, tell me For a little instance, bit more specifically about Well, one I mean, two. one couple had been going through a very difficult moment. I don't know if I should name them. But they basically had felt very cut off because they'd had real problems in the in their parish. And these problems had become known in the diocese and in a way negative for them, neg- negatively. With them. But when we got there, we found that it was just really very bad communication and they were far from being the negative pastoral couple that they were being made out to be. And so we want to revert that as bishops. We're finding that bishops are quite powerful, actually, and when they take the side of pastors mm. uh, in these pastor-council conflicts. Mm. Um, on the other side, you know, some feeling lonely because their council P- don't PCC, understand them. PCC, PCC yeah, the council doesn't understand them uh, with relation to their family needs and the parents that are probably in Bolivia or something like this. So it's been great just to be alongside them. Others that are fine or okay need the know-how and stimulus of what to do next to plant the next church and just a bit of a push, you know. So the fact that you mentor these young couples, both pastorally as well as evangelistically and in mission, has been a great blessing. So that's excited us a lot. Is that church down in Tierra del Fuego, is that the most unusual spot probably? Or there? Well... Slightly more unusual is what Ali Morrison has in mind, which is to plant the most southerly church in history down on the Antarctic, because there are Air Force... He's the chaplain. He's the chaplain of the Air Force down there, and there is an Air Force base down in the Antarctic. And he's trying to get some contacts, and and some Christians, so they want to start a cell group in the Antarctic. I would love that. That would be history. So I'd like to ask both of you, just looking back off the, over this yeah, fantastically mm. long time of being mission partners, yes, it has been, where, yeah. what stands out? For me, I think the way that God has uh, given us these ministries, uh, like from the fishing boat, um, ministries like encounters, marriage encounter, youth encounter, children's encounter. That has been so, so fruitful Mm -hmm. in the ministry. Just say what the encounters are for people who aren't Ah, familiar with that term in that context. uh, It's weekends, weekends away and Alpha now, we've started Alpha. So those people that go on these encounters go to Alpha and get discipled. We've got to go and find every single person in a postmodern world or in a post-Catholic world so when people live it, the, what they most want to do is invite their friends and family. 
So new people bring new people would be one of the keys that God gave us right through our ministry. And that has meant that people are always arriving in church. And so depending on what you do with those people and what church is like is whether they remain or not in a new church culture for them. Because Anglicans are just a new, they're, they're a funny bunch, that's just for the English. But then they begin to realize, and now it's abroad, mm. that it is a Chilean Anglican church that mm. provides Christ for family, for um, marriages, and it really heals with people. Now, now, you add to that, Alpha, you add to that the ministry of healing and miracles and mm. signs and wonders and, and a church life that's powerful and that mobilizes laity. Yeah, that's important. Those would be yeah. the keys to yeah. why churches, why La Trinidad, let's talk about our own church, has been able to grow. Yeah. Please join us in thanking God for Alf and Hillary and the way they're encouraging church planting across Chile. Finally, here's a contemplative prayer exercise from Ian Adams, who is Mission Spirituality Advisor for Church Mission Society, as the season of Lent continues to lead us towards Easter. Praying the cross. In the season of Lent, the cross is never far from our horizon. As Easter draws near, we remember again the events that would lead Jesus to the cross. We remember his description of the disciple life as being like carrying your own cross. And this takes us into the self-examination of this season. For this exercise, as you begin to pray, allow your body to take the shape of a cross with your arms outstretched. This can be done standing or by lying on the floor, face up or face down to the ground and try to remain in this position. Observe how this feels. And as you sense the strain in your chest, remember the pain of the world being held by Jesus on the cross. And imagine the love of Jesus being carried back out into the world now through your hands. Let what you experience shape your words and frame your silence. You might like to use this prayer to finish. Jesus, help me to pray, to live and to love, shaped by the cross. Ian Adams bringing this edition of Audio Mission to a close. Please join us next time for more first-hand stories of God's mission around the world.